Good day, and welcome to the Pandemi Show. Stories of the Pandemi for the people of the Pandemi. Dave zooms to Terrace, BC, to talk with Brian Chenway about the trials and tribulations of being kept from his family. Brian's partner and mother to their son live in the UK. COVID has prevented them from getting married not once but twice. Brian misses his partner and son, but finds strength in his family history. Once in the heart, never apart. Ryan has a fascinating story, particularly around family and the impact of the pandemic. Ryan, can you take us back to what your life was like in before times? More than a year ago, I was working in Vancouver and I had a partner living in Oxford, UK, and we we had a baby. He was about about to turn one because he was born in March the previous year. In 2019, little Joey and my Louise had lived with me in Vancouver. I went back with them for a second bout of my parental leave because I was there for Joey's birth. And then we went back to Oxford together because Louise was returning to her job after maternity leave. And so I was there for two months. Like this time last year, I was in Oxford. Then I flew back in the middle of March and we had heard about the virus. There had been a few cases in the UK and a few in Vancouver from Hong Kong or something. And then uh, then I landed in the middle of March, ready to start work the next week. Then the BC government announced two-week isolation for all international travel- travelers, like within hours of me landing. I didn't know they knew I was coming. So I got a call, I got a call from work. And they said that I still got paid, but I'd have to isolate. So not to show up for work for like three weeks. Then I was working at that time. I've since changed jobs, but at the same, I work at a credit union, Van City in Vancouver. I was working in a branch at the time. And so we went on a rotation where we would be working like one week in a branch. The next week we would be working on the phones, like taking phone calls. And I think it was like kind of spaced out. So if someone in, in my squad, because I was with a whole different team all mixed together, if someone in my squad got the virus, that then they they were sort of, it would show up before we went back in the branch, right? This kind of like risk management. In last year, Louise and I talked and we said, okay, we need to make sure our family's together long-term. Our plan at that time was that Louise and Joey would come back in August of last year. But to sort of do that for immigration purposes, we had to get married. I said like, let's work out getting married. So we booked a wedding date in July. When I flew back to Vancouver, I like had prepared a visa application in order to get married because you need a special visa to go to the UK to get married. And then I submit the visa application in March and then the visa processing office closes. BC never went into what they call the lockdown, but we were under pandemic restrictions. England went into lockdown and all weddings were canceled for the whole summer. So it's like, okay, there's our first wedding attempt is like canceled. Weddings couldn't start again until September. Then I had to try to like make sure I had enough vacation to go to the UK isolate for two weeks because I can't get married while in isolation, then get married and then come back and isolate in Canada before I return to work remotely. So you and your partner had a a beautiful son, Joey. You were making it work long distance. She's working in the UK. You're working in Canada. You're making it work. You've got plans to get married so you can start a life together in the same place. And the pandemic really, the pandemic really got involved in your plans then, didn't it? Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's not, a, it wasn't 
was never our intention to be long distance. It's just trying to span the distance, right? Like trying to work things out to be together. And it's something where it's, it's sort of, it's a tough thing because, you know, like Louise kind of limits to me that I'm not there to help with things sometimes. And, and I go, but, but that's the situation we're in, right? It's not me, right? <laughs> kind of. And, you wish, and have, you wish you could be there, yeah, but yeah. circumstances are keeping you apart. That is a burden. That is yeah. a, that is a burden. You oh, mentioned uh, wedding attempt number one was to be in July, and that was a failure launch. You didn't even make it back for July due to the circumstances around in travel and the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So then you continued yep. researching options on how to get married and, and unify your That's family. Right. And yep. the second kick at the can then, were you successful the second the second time you tried to get married? <laughs> Yeah, there was a second attempt. I had just enough vacation to go. To go, be in isolation for two weeks, get married on the 15th day, right? Like after two weeks isolation. And then because I worked an in-person job and I had like four weeks of vacation, I'd have to fly back right after the wedding and go back to, to work two weeks later because I would have to use up two weeks vacation in order to, to like honor my, my isolation without losing pay, right? So I had that set up. I had it scheduled. And then luckily, I like, got promoted to a new job, office job, that would allow me to work while in isolation. So at least I could stay for two weeks after the wedding and not go outside the house. Have um, a honeymoon. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> we rescheduled to late in November and, uh, and I had my vacation all set up. I started an office job in October, which meant that I could plan to stay and like book my flight for a month to come back after a month rather than to come back after after 16 days. Just the week before the end of October, then the the UK government announced that the England was going to a lockdown, which meant that the weddings would be canceled. I was worried about getting in the country because Louise was like, still come because I need help with the with Joey. And Joey uh, wants to see daddy. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so I even moved my flight through, like I rebooked my flight three days earlier to just to get in as it went into lockdown, because I was worried that airlines might cancel flights. And then I would have, you know, we would have had this whole, I'd have had this whole month booked and not be able to use it and see my family. Right. I flew there, arrived, like went through isolation. Like we, we didn't have a wedding, but it was, but it was great. Joey at like one and a half, he, when he saw me for the first time, like he, you know, he gave me a gentle smile. Like we were buddies right away. Like I think he remembered me and uh, knowing that I'm okay or that I'm his guy or whatever. There was familiarity, like, yeah, but exactly not right. the same as if you got to hold him every day and parent exactly. him every day physically. Yep. But then late, later in the month, like it was great. Like we, I would take him to the playground and we had a, we had a good time. And even things where like Louise is like, oh, like how, uh, like, you know, I, I never got him to do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> work. Takes two to tango and it takes two to parent. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So that was attempt number two. That's right. So two attempts, oh and two. Yep. Not by any fault of your own, strictly based on the dynamics of the pandemic, travel restrictions, lockdown, and public health policies. Yep. yep. So this is an audio podcast, but you are smiling. You seem you seem <laughs> like your family's getting through this, but What's the next step in terms yeah, of your marriage saga? So we rebooked the wedding for the spring in April. And England is in lockdown right now. So we're not sure that whether it's going to repeat, be a repeat. But next week, government's going to announce the roadmap for coming out of lockdown. Right now, the current legislation in the UK has lockdown ending at the end of March. But anything, they could decide anything. 
and it might be it might affect weddings or not. We have yet to see. Hoping to to work that one out. After getting married, then I'd come back and then apply for a visa and make my plans to go. And like I've already talked to my boss at work about this, so it's it's okay. It's okay that I share it here and and people find out because it's not going to be a surprise that uh, that I might be leaving. Wow, what an interesting story. Interesting in the sense of a family being kept apart as a result of travel restrictions and public health. I don't resent the the measures though. It's it's something that like we all have to to make sure we do our best to ensure that the fewest people die and the fewest people have have health concerns. I've been careful and I'm healthy. I want to make sure that that the most people stay healthy. This is something where the world should really come together more than it is. I appreciate all the great stories I've seen, but there are also people like intentional or not kind of working against the the best efforts. It seems that there was a lot more common interest early in the pandemic when there was a lot of uncertainty, a lack of PPE, a lack of understanding. And with greater understanding, it seems that we've become kind of fragmented as a global community or I, I get maybe it's maybe more North America. I shouldn't can't claim to speak for the rest of the world, but North America seems to be pretty broken or not. Mm-hmm. There's not a shared common purpose or I was at the market this morning, just getting some essential supplies. And I saw a plague rat walking around smiling without a mask on. I, I first of all, I wondered how he got oh, in you there. Say, <laughs> you say then, a plague rat, like a, uh, like, uh, but, a, but a person. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I've been hearing people calling the yeah. anti-public health measure people plague rats right okay um some people are calling them rat lickers similar to the people during the bubonic plague that didn't believe in the plague and would just lick a rat oh, really? i don't want to get into name calling but it does kind of <laughs> capture the character i don't like wearing a mask but if i can help somebody else help my family help my community i'm gonna do it i yeah. don't understand the resistance myself but i feel like For there's sure. a lot of lost people i feel like they're really lost and then they don't have maybe they don't have a good social network or safety network. And then they see some of the conspiracies online and they fall for it. Yeah, it's tough. When I first started wearing a mask, I found it really difficult to breathe. But now it's like, after a while, I'm like, yeah, it's just natural, right? We, we've so adapted like, to it. Yeah, I understand the responsibility of it. And it was hard for me. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I can't breathe. But it, but like, you know, it's just something you get used to and you see everyone else doing it. And it's like, yeah, like you can do it. Yeah, the pandemic really seems to be politically polarized how do you think that happened i don't understand politics that well it does seem kind of crazy where people who are of a certain political bent always seem to believe the same set of things a lot of political belief comes from like social influence when you only hear from a certain set of people and maybe some people who are trying to manipulate your views that's something that they that they take advantage of to to try to push a certain certain thing and they may not even care about the certain issue but they're trying to get you on board for kind of broader manipulation or like political ends, you know? Politics makes interesting bedfellows. The anti-vax, anti-vaccination, back to the earth, not sure how to describe them, but the the new age medicine, the mm-hmm. anti-vax group, they're now going to rallies with the, the far right, the racists, the hate mongers. And it's interesting how those two groups have come together and have become allies during this pandemic. And then we also have the more religious fundamentalist groups, also as part of the anti-mask brigade. I know Elmer, <laughs> Ontario, has got a real problem with oh, one really? of the with one of the radical churches there. I almost want to call them a cult rather than a church. But it's interesting how it seems now the biggest problem facing 
us is each other, not necessarily the COVID-19, but getting everyone on the same page against our common enemy. As some people don't view it as we're all in this together, it's it's alarming. Sure. It's a tough time. Do you think the vaccine is going to be a game changer? I mean, it seemed like it in, in December, but with variants and then there's questions of the effectiveness of the vaccine. I think the vaccine certainly will change things as it gets deployed. And then and we're learning more and more. You know, the, just like last spring, I was reading a lot of, of people who were saying like vaccines take so long to develop, but the effort really came together to like get some vaccines out there really quickly. And it, it kind of shows us what what potential there is, right? So it seems seems to me like the vaccines will definitely make a difference. We still may have have different variants variants pop up, but at least it shows we have the capacity to work pretty quickly to to solve that. You know, they can use what they know about the current vaccines and then what they find out about new variants and try to tamp those down. But it might be something where, you know, we're wearing masks and being concerned about about like distance from others for a long time. We'll see. Like, I wonder what, what like working life is going to be like, whether, whether, you know, when I move to the UK and get a job, whether it's going to be in an office or remote or half in the office or what. There's a big debate now about whether companies will want the employees to come back or continue to use remote learning. And it'll be interesting to see some employers want their employees in an office, but is that how you're going to get the best people or will the best people decide their working conditions? Sure. And the best work and the ways to collaborate. And then, you know, what, what the, what it costs to have workers at a workplace or what it costs the, the worker to set up their home to work, or do they have to go to a third place? There's, you know, they do they go to a co-working space in the neighborhood and then what's the cost of that and who pays it? It's complex. Yep. I know one of the trends we're hearing now in Ontario is that people working from home with kids going to school at home, if they're unable to focus just because of how busy the house is, they're renting hotel rooms just for the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going to these us. empty hotel rooms to use yeah. them for a day to get some get some work accomplished. Good. It's some good business for the hotel. Yeah. It's interesting to see how the pandemic is getting different industries pivoting. Oh, a sure. lot of the pivot is towards technology. I think that's made this a lot easier of a pandemic than it would yeah. have been without it. Sure. The UK variant, it just means it's more contagious or what's how's the UK variant factoring into all of this? You're asking me about a lot of current news that I don't necessarily know the details of. I mean, the these variants come up and they might not the vac, the vaccines might not be effective against them. And part of it too is that, that I mean like I'm certainly not an epidemiologist, but it seems to me like if when a virus mutates, there might be kind of mutations that aren't contagious. And so they never show up. But obviously the ones that show up and get passed around are the ones that are most contagious. And especially if it mutates to something that is much more contagious. And because so many people have the virus at once and it's getting passed around, there's more potential, I guess, for it to mutate. And so, uh, so that's the danger of it, right? Is that if people aren't careful and they pass the regular virus around, then there's more potential for it to mutate. And then there's more places from which it to like to to pass to others. But that's that's not a, I'm not I'm not a doctor, but that that piece makes sense to me. I, I wonder about the Spanish flu in 1918. What impact variants had on on the fight against it back then? Oh sure. Has your family ever gone through anything like this with being kept apart, like you and your partner and Joey being kept apart? Is, do you oh, have sure. any historical context where other members yeah. of your family? Well. Yeah, actually, actually, on both sides of my family, 
like I say, both sides of my family are double immigrants because my father's family um, came from China and then immigrated to Trinidad. And then later my father came to Canada. But then on my uh, on the other side, my grandfather's family immigrated from Europe to Brazil. And after being there a few years, they decided they wanted to move again. And, they, and so my grandfather's father, my great grandfather, he took a ship to New York like took the train to Saskatchewan and then sent letters back and, and called for the family to join him a year later. So they were apart for a year where they wow. had to travel by boat. They communicate by letter, right? Whereas like here, I can fly on an airplane within hours, within a day and be there. And I can, we video chat almost every day, right? And so at least like my baby sees my face pretty regularly and we sing songs and he waves and tells me words he knows, you know? We do have a easier with technology than previous generations had now and that story about your great great grandfather that wasn't during a pandemic that was just that was just normal living back then before technology the parallels in, to the past and then it's exciting that we have all these new technologies to make it easier on us oh yeah there's, there's so much there's so much more potential for us to be safe and remain distanced and still you know get the things get get the food we need and 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 like for some of us be able to do work the supply chain doesn't seem to have been too affected i i know you hear about the automobile industry they're kind of at a at a shutdown in north america because there's not enough chips coming in computer chips oh, yeah. for the cars now oh geez okay and when, there was there was like the flower shortage in the spring too but that that was partly exacerbated by the uh the railroad blockades before the pandemic right uh, anyway uh, due to the pipeline protests? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, you're going to ask me about travel. You've traveled then before the pandemic and during the pandemic. What are some of the changes you've noticed just traveling before the pandemic and during the pandemic to the UK? Traveling back and forth to the UK before the pandemic was normal and crowded. When I flew in November, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. I had like fabric masks, I had KN95 masks and extras and my own sanitizer and a face shield. Then I flew there, it was going into lockdown. There was lots of space, so it was easy to be separate from people. I made a rookie, I, I went to a seat with lots of legroom. I picked picked lots of legroom. And then, so then I was on a, on a row that didn't have the armrest to go up, so I couldn't lie down. And I had the whole row beside me. It was the worst. So a lot less people traveling. What was the capacity on your plane? Oh man, I don't, I don't remember. It was a, it was a big Airbus. Essentially, the whole row was open, and I'm not even sure if there was, there was a person behind me, right? So it was probably like five seats, five empty seats, like with, with one filled, you know, that kind of thing. Drastically reduced capacity. Yeah, yeah. Well, people who, who, you know, people who had the kind of uncertainty about the lockdown. But when I flew back in December, like. It, when I flew back was like one week after the lockdown. It was relatively crowded, more than half full. In December, it was out. It was after England was out of lockdown. Then my flight got changed because they reduced the number of flights. So instead of flying direct to Vancouver, I had to fly to Toronto and then fly back. The domestic flight inside Canada was rammed. Like university students coming back from exams or whatever. It would seem so raucous. But I just, I just think about like, man, think about how cautious I was. And I thought everyone else was on my flight to the UK. And then now it's like, you know, people, I mean, they, they require people to have their masks on, but there's, there's all sorts of like people touching everything and stuff like that. And I'm like, God. So the domestic flight from Toronto to Vancouver was full? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was rammed with people, and and the whole thing too is like it's like man, everywhere else I go, I ha- I'm supposed to be two meters or six feet from someone, but here I'm surrounded. But everyone was wearing their masks. Yeah. It was just there was no physical distancing. Yeah, and some coughing too. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I've heard somebody say now, if you want to cough, you got to cover it with a fart. <laughs> or you could go to pri- go somewhere private, right? That's the thing too. Like if you don't, if I want to clear my throat or or whatever. I'm like, oh, I don't, shouldn't do it around all these people, even though I'm not sick, guys. But, you know, it makes you feel uncomfortable to hear someone coughing around because that's... A- Everybody stares at the person coughing, wondering. Exactly, exactly. What do you think's next in the pandemic? Is it going to get better? Is it going to get worse? Are we going to come out of the pandemic? What do you think's going to happen next? I, I think generally it's going to be better. The And, like, I'm hopeful. Like, personally, I'm going to get married. But then... <laughs> Like for, for the world and for society, right? The things are going to get better as as like vaccine gets deployed and stuff like that. There are going to be some pitfalls with vaccine shortage. People will probably stop taking as many precautions as as their vaccines, as we've kind of seen from like now compared to last spring. Things are going to get better, but it takes people to, to try to ensure that we do these things like build back better and, and change society to improve on what we've learned this past year. What and, are some uh, of the things, what are some of the, things you think we've learned as our weaknesses as a result of the pandemic <laughs> not, not everyone's going to participate in protecting society <laughs> <laughs> very unfortunate <laughs> i know how we treat seniors that's definitely mm-hmm. something the pandemic has illustrated is we've got a problem migrant workers in Ontario, that's come to the forefront as, as an issue income yeah. inequality i wonder if this is going to expedite the moving towards a basic income or wealth taxes. It seems that we're generating some big deficits in the provinces and the country in Canada. How are we going to pay for that? We can't cut our way out of this. There's going to have to be a taxation (laughs) component. And it seems you hear in the, in the media, there are winners and there are losers during the pandemic. I know I've been very fortunate. I'm still working. Sure. And and it's a thing too, where the, like, for anyone in society that cares about ensuring that everyone has support and basic um, means of survival and be able to being able to like to contribute to, to society, it's important that we that that we contribute to like making sure that that happens because it's going to be easy for people who have kind of uh, have the attitude of ignoring pandemic and ignoring things that like help the rest of society just like go back to the old politics which may yet happen right and so it's something that 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 we need to to look for opportunities where we can make things better for others i definitely look at the pandemic as a crisis that could lead to great opportunity i mean there 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 are also tons of positive stories where people are doing really great things to to help others and that's like that's also hopeful a hopeful sign you and your partner are going to wait to see till the end of March to see what the UK's policy is. And then you're going to go for your third attempt on, on getting married. Yep. That's right. I expect to book a plane ticket in the next week or so. And then I'll head over there and be with my family. Well, on behalf of the pandemic show and the pandemic show community, I want you to know that we are rooting for you and your partner and little Joey. We're hoping that you, your family can get together and be together. Thank you so much, Dave and the pandemic show. And uh... no one's alone. On the pandemic show. All Stories right. of the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. <laughs> Ryan, thanks so much for telling us your story about how you're trying to get back with your family, Louisa and toddler Joey. And we wish you all the best. 
Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Pandemic Show. We're all in this together, and we're glad you're here together with us. Physically distance with us at pandemishow.com. Be a part of our community by subscribing to and sharing The Pandemic Show. Thanks for taking a minute to email an episode, share a link, or promote us on social media. Pandemic Show is on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. Stories from the pandemic for the people of the pandemic. Do you have an interesting pandemic story and want to share? Email us at pandemishow at gmail.com. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Giant Value for singing us in and letting us know everything is going to be all right. No one is alone at the pandemic show.